This is episode 97, all about phones, social media, and our kids and how to navigate. But this is actually a two-part. So if you did not start with part one, you're definitely going to want to go back to episode 96 and listen to that one first so that this is all making sense. And if you've already listened to 96, then you're ready to jump in to part two. So I'm going to stop talking and bring us right back in to the conversation. Welcome to the Balancing Busy Podcast, where I help time-starved business owners cut their hours without losing income, dropping the ball with clients, or hurting the customer experience. I'm your host, Leah Remelay. Since 2009, I've built six and seven-figure income streams while working part-time hours. This is possible and you are capable. So let's jump in. Okay, so as you're coming to the preteen age, you are going to get a lot of the conversations of everyone has a phone, mom. I'm the only person who doesn't have a phone. And it's hard. You want your kids to not feel disadvantaged and be happy with you and all those things. But again, short-term wins are not worth their long-term success. It is just not worth it. And I would make lots of jokes like, oh, their moms are so much cooler than I am. I am so sorry that your mom is not as cool, but you can know your mom fiercely loves you so much so that I'm even willing to let you be upset with me, even though I hate when you're upset with me. I mean, I just told them and shared with them, like, I'm sorry. Now, I'm going to say, you know what is so, so helpful? Uh, Dr. Cheryl Ziegler actually shared this on our episode that we did. I'll have it in the links. It was episode 43, Avoiding Mommy Burnout and Teaching Our Kids a Better Way. But one of the things I love that she talked about is go talk to the other parents early. Bind together. You know, make a little, make a little pact that you're all going to hold off on cell phones. That way you can be like, ah, I know little Jenny and Taylor and Ruby. I'm trying to come up with names on the fly. It's not working. Anyways, I know they don't have phones either because I've talked to their mom. So that can really help. And then I shared this before, but starting with a watch is a great transitionary. I need to be able to communicate with them. I do want to know where they are, but... And then remember, it's on speaker. If your only thing is like, I want to know where my kid is, grab an AirTag. Go get an Apple AirTag and stick it on them. Okay, like there's a solution. Uh, but if you want to be able to communicate a little bit, you can start with a watch. You can have only five people. That actually, my kids didn't start with an with an iPhone watch. They did start with, we happen to be T-Mobile. So they started with the T-Mobile kid watch, then went to the iPhone watch, then went to a phone. But starting with a watch can be a good transition. Okay, then at about 14-ish, that was the point when they got a phone. Now, we were not perfect. It was not like every single one of them on their 14th birthday got a phone. But essentially, about 14 is when they got their phones. And we basically took a smartphone and tried to make it dumb. Now, we did iPhones because we're familiar with them, we're comfortable with them, and we had a lot of them extra that we were like, perfect, we already have some. But I think if I could go back, I would probably maybe do a flip phone. I would do a flip phone where it's like, you can text, you can call, and I don't think you need to do anything else. I would probably start that way, but we started with iPhones. So on our phones, we approved all apps. We had time limits. We definitely had parent 
checks in there, you know, parent controls and all kinds of things to try to protect. We made it very, very normal. We can look at and check your phone whenever we want. We own the phone. We pay the contract. This is not your phone. I'm sorry. You are a minor. You do not get to have your privacy. Your phone is our phone, and we get to look at it at any time. And we just made that clear before they ever got the phone and just letting them know we want to make sure we're protecting you. And we let them know there are bad people out there who want to try to reach kids, and our job is to protect you. That is literally my responsibility, and so we are going to check your phone. And then I think what's really critical is you need to make it a regular thing And you need to make sure you're doing it when everything is great and tell them, hey, I was looking at your phone and I just wanted to congratulate you and tell you, like, I thought it was really cool that I saw that your text message was so-and-so. That was really nice of you or whatever it might be. Don't only look at their phones when you're suspicious because that's going to, of course, create some angst and hostility. So just make it normal. It's not a, oh, when we're suspicious, we check your phone. It's a Whenever we think about it or on a regular every Monday night or Sunday night, we check phones and they just know that. Another thing I highly suggest, don't let technology go into bedrooms. It's not worth it. The average child sees pornography at age 11, and it's not because the kids were trying to find pornography. It's because pornography is trying to find our children and they can put in something that is seemingly so pure. It is so shouldn't be anything. And it somehow sends them down some path. And those little brains are not mature enough. They're not necessarily ready to turn away when they're seeing something they've never seen before and are completely curious about. And they can get sucked in. The goal of those disgusting companies is to trap people. And so we have to understand that they're trying to get our children and we are going to fight just as hard. And a very simple way to help with that is that devices do not go in bedrooms. Everybody charges their phones upstairs on the kitchen island at night, and that way they're not down in their rooms. And when our kids are like, oh, what am I going to do for an alarm? Here, here's an Alexa, or here's an old school alarm. That's what you're going to do. Like, just be ready. They're going to give you excuses. They're going to give you reasons. They're really, really good at that, as they should be, as all of us were when we were teenagers, right? Like, that's normal. It's our job as parents to be ready to find a solution. There are no problems, only solutions. Mom, I have to have my phone. It's my alarm. Oh, I'm going to pick you up an alarm tomorrow. Don't worry. You won't need it. I will wake you up myself if I have to. So just be ready for what they're going to throw at you and just know there's a solution for everything. You can solve it. Another thing that can be really fun is having a contract. So the first time you give them a cell phone, you can do a contract. We're actually working on creating a new one to be able to share with everybody. And it's literally a phone contract that's like, here's the rules. Here's what we expect. Here's what you get. And here's where the contract gets broken and your phone could be taken away. So having a contract and then I really, really like um, Dr. Cheryl Ziegler. Her suggestion was wait until a minimum of eighth grade 
and try to talk with other parents. I shared that with you. I think it's so wise. You know, we said 14. Is that eighth grade? I don't even know. I can't remember now. But um, somewhere in that range, the longer that you can wait, the better. It just it just really is. At age 16, we allowed social media to come in on their phones. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that we did not make our youngest wait till 16. And I can explain that to you why it was a little bit different. Um, for our first two, they wanted social media for the social aspect, right? Like they wanted to see what friends are doing and share things and just scroll. That was the reason for social media. So they had to wait till they were 16. They started with Instagram. That's the only social media that they had. And it's actually on my phone. It's not on their phone. So it's on my phone. I'm the only one with the password. And so if they want to get onto social media, they have to say, hey, mom, can I look at your phone? And I hand them my phone and they, you know, have a timer or whatever, like here's how long you can look and they can go on their Instagram account and look at social media. So it makes it very easy to help them learn to self-regulate because they can't just have never-ending hours. They only get to look at social media if they have my phone. So that's how we've done social media. And we allowed no other options, no Snapchat, no TikTok, absolutely not. It was Instagram only. They do have Pinterest, um, which I look at it as a search engine in the business world. But, you know, with teenagers, it can, again, create those feelings of comparison and searching and scrolling. So it's always important to just think about that. And having these conversations where we're asking them all the time, like, how is it making you feel? Like, does it make you feel good? And if not, how can we shift that? And I think it's helping them realize, you know, this is important for us too. If we feel like we're realizing, I don't have a very good relationship with Instagram. Like when I get off Instagram, I don't feel good about myself. Okay, well then... Is it that you need a break from Instagram? Do you need to quit Instagram? Or is it maybe just that you need to look at who you're following and unfollow a few people that actually make you not feel good about yourself? And maybe it's not even anything negative they're doing. It's just that it triggers some really strong feelings of comparison. So looking at those kinds of questions. So they all start with Instagram, but only Instagram, no other social media platforms, and it's on my phone. We did uh, another social media platform that has come out is called Be Real, and we have let them do Be Real as well. But like our middle daughter, she took it off her phone. She said, I'm just realizing it doesn't make me feel very good. I don't I don't like how it feels because Be Real, it's you're seeing what your friends are doing in real time. And, you know, enough times of seeing your friends are doing something fun without you. It doesn't feel very good. Right. That's. That hurts. I mean, when we were all kids, the only way you found out that your friends were all doing something together is because someone slipped and said something. Now, everybody wants to share and post and look like they're having the best time. And it really hurts when you realize, oh, no one thought to invite me. So, you know, just again, it's these open conversations all the time. And then their senior year, their senior year is when social media moves to their phone with time restrictions. And I think, honestly, all of us should have time restrictions. Like, I should have time restrictions. My husband has time restrictions. Like, we don't want to get sucked into the vortex and be like, oh my gosh, I just spent how much time wasted on the scroll? And so with time restrictions, but social media moves to their phone because they're about to go off to college. It's time for them to really get comfortable and really practice self-regulation. So it's this, it's this process 
it starts with very little self-regulation and a whole lot of parent regulation because they're not ready yet. And over time, we're going to evolve and kind of graduate them through until it's on their phone and they get to decide. And it has worked really well for us so far. We have three kids. Our oldest went off to college last year and she did absolutely phenomenal. You know, one of the things that she shared with me several times was that she's she feels like she has a strength at organizing her schedule, knowing everything she has to do and getting it done in the proper order. And her roommates would be like, how are you always already done? And I think a lot of this helped teach her that self-regulation to first things first, do the things she needed to do and not procrastinate or get sucked into these distractions that, you know, can can cause a whole lot of pain and grief and angst. And we've all been there. So that has been how we have done phones and social media with our kids. Oh, I did want to tell you. So our youngest, our son, we did let him get Instagram early, but it was for a very different reason. He is um very talented at wake surfing and has a huge dream to make something of his wake surfing. And so we decided to let him get Instagram, again, only on my phone, but let him get Instagram so that he could post his wake surfing only and work to build up a brand around that. And that I feel totally good about. It's still on my phone. Um, and he didn't get to post. He's now 16, but he didn't get to post things that weren't around just that. And, you know, did our girls absolutely be like, what? We had to wait, but it was different. It's not all going to be equal, kids. Okay. You're different. That's just how it is. So that's what we did with our youngest. Okay. Some additional tips. I think it is amazing to make it a regular thing to take a break from fake. So several, several years ago, there was a challenge that was put out by the most incredible man, Russell M. Nelson, and he challenged, uh, there was millions of youth on this, um, this call when he did it, um, or this training, and he challenged them all to take a 10-day break from fake and to really pay attention to how did they feel at the end, what happened. And I decided to jump along and do it because I am a volunteer with our youth and I wanted to, you know, show my support and like, oh, I'll do it too. And I couldn't believe what a difference it made for me as an adult. And so I think we can take that and encourage our kids to take a break, see how they feel, see if it doesn't lessen some of the um, sadness or the comparison or the anxiety or whatever it might be, and then make it a regular thing. That's going to help them to not get dependent on their phone, on technology. Next, don't respond immediately when you see things that you don't like, that are scary. We're probably all going to come across something on our kids' phones that is really scary, that is upsetting, where we realize, oh my gosh, how did that get through? How did that get in? What just happened? They broke the rules. I don't know. I don't know what all it's going to look like, but don't respond immediately. Try to give yourself a minute so that instead of responding from fear, which is, oh my gosh, my child's 
all things are going wrong and trying to instead respond from love. We didn't have these challenges when we were kids. We didn't have to navigate all this. I am beyond grateful that there was not a camera documenting and uploading to stories all throughout my high school because I can tell you I would not want some of that documented. I'm so grateful, but it is there for our kids. And so having conversations with them, talking to them about that and being patient and recognizing that they're learning, it's so important. And that brings me to having those conversations about how what you post, what other people post, what is shared, it lives on, even when you think it's deleted. In fact, I just saw, and it was a great opportunity, I had a conversation with my kids again. I just saw, we just had the Super Bowl as of this recording, and there was a post from Patrick Mahomes, and he had posted in high school in 2013, something along the lines of, you probably saw it, Taylor wins everything, something like that. Thank goodness that was completely unharmful and it was kind of funny and it's like, oh, there's Taylor Swift, like, you know, helping out the NFL and it was funny and it was harmless. But someone went and found that from 2013. These things can be found even when you think they've been deleted. Having those conversations with our kids is helpful. And that was a great learning opportunity, right? Like we saw that and I I saw it and I pointed out to the kids and I showed them. I'm like, you guys, look at this. This is why it's so important. You will have future employers, future, you know, colleges, future person you want to marry who can see your social media. So be wise. Be smart about what you share and how it reflects who you are and and who you want to be, how you want to be seen. So those kinds of conversations are, I think, really powerful and they should just be ongoing all the time. Okay, so additional tips. We paid for everything. We pay for the phone. We pay for the plan because we own it. And we want to make that really, really clear. Like, this is not yours. This is ours. We pay for it. You don't even have the option to go buy your own because this is ours. Now, Here's the bottom line. Kids are smart and they're smarter than us when it comes to technology. So if they want to get around the parent restrictions or your rules on the phone, they will. They're, they're really smart. So that's where it can't be this tyrant, tyrannical approach. It has to be, they've got to understand why we're doing it that it comes from a place of love, why it matters to us and why we're doing it for them, I think that makes such a difference, such a difference. Okay, I suggested watching The Social Dilemma. It's on Netflix. It's a documentary as a family. I think it's really powerful. It really helped us have some great conversations as a family, and I have recommended that to all of my friends who have younger kids for years. Um, Establish digital free zones. And Figure out what that means. Like, does it mean that, hey, dinner time is a digital free zone? When we go out to dinner, it's a digital free zone. When we're all watching a movie together, it's a phone free zone. That's one we've done because everyone kind of gets into this habit of like sitting down to watch a movie and then everyone's just staring at their phones instead of watching the movie. And I think that's not helping to our depleting attention spans. I don't know if you've seen it, but like there's research that humans' attention spans are now worse than goldfish. And so I'm like, no, if we're watching a movie, we can watch a movie. So your zones could be an area of the house or whatever that might look like, but it also could be a 
a specific event, when we're eating dinner, when we're watching a movie together, when we're in the car together, when we're having family time, no phones, and then just talk about all of this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, have real conversations. Here's what I want to leave you with. All of the giant tech CEOs, they do not let their kids use smartphones. They don't let them have social media. Steve Jobs was once asked in an interview after the amazing iPad that, you know, everyone's going gaga over. And the interviewer said, your kids must love the iPad. Do you know what his answer was? They haven't used it. You guys. Steve Jobs did not let his own kids use the iPad. He said, we limit how much technology our kids use at home. And it goes on and on and on. You look at all the biggest tech founders, CEOs of these major tech companies, over and over and over, you will find an interview, you will find something. They are not letting their own kids be on these devices, inside these social platforms, and yet they're trying to pull ours in. I so sincerely hope that this episode is helping you. I hope that no matter where you are right now, you feel and know that there is hope. If you're ready to have more conversations around phones and social media with your kids, I would suggest having some of these as topics. How is it making you feel? Are you missing out on real connections because you grabbed your phone too fast? How do you feel when other people are on their phone all the time? Remember, even when you delete things, it can be found. Think about those future colleges and employers and even the person you're going to marry seeing this. Would you want them to? And be kind to everyone, but trust very few. I love this thought from M. Russell Ballard. It just feels like the perfect ruler to measure our phone use against and the perfect way to finish this episode. He said, make sure that the choices you make in the use of new media are choices that expand your mind, increase your opportunities, and feed your soul. That is it for this episode on the Balancing Busy podcast. I hope that it has been a light and a help. I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear what you're experiencing. How can we take this conversation even deeper and further? And what direction do you need it to go next? Send me a DM. Shoot me an email. I am here. We are in this together. And I will see you next week on another episode of the Balancing Busy Podcast. Podcast.